Hey, good morning, Munchropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking below! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. <laughs> Didn't take that off screen. Cool. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Logged It. Once again, Tim has left me alone to try to fumble around and run this show, even though I'm not very good at it. We've got a great panel for you. We're talking about one location movies. You almost always see us all from only one locations because we never leave these places. Uh, that's what you don't know when you're not watching the show. We cease to exist. Anyway, this should be a fun panel. Uh, first up, we've got Joseph. Joseph, am I qualified to be on this topic? Maybe. That's fair. You seem to have opinions about that sometimes, so I wanted to make sure I got your approval. <laughs> uh, Scully, you're here. Yeah, I am. Lively conversation. For we'll, just, we'll just see what happens. I'm very tired. I, I've been up since 5.30. I was at a rain-soaked golf course for half the day, so... Let's do it. Fair enough. Jack, you always have something to say. Yeah. Uh, and we all know how much everyone loves hearing what I have to say. Doesn't matter. Uh, Scott. If the conversation breaks down, I am happy to discuss uh, Scully's tweet from earlier about how he doesn't like condiments because I actually agree with him. Um, okay, so I will I, definitely go out the on the condiment discourse on Twitter. <laughs> like this whole community has broke down into condiment discourse. Lucas is talking about how barbecue sauce is not a top five condiment, as if he has a top five condiment ranking. I also have a top five condiment ranking, but we'll talk about that later. Get your wireless show. Uh, so first up, the the first thing we always talk about, your favorite movie along this week. So, Scully, why don't we start with you? What was your favorite movie along this week? Quickly going to my letterbox. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna stay away from like personal like like personal picks that I watch for like emotional reasons. So I'm actually, I'm actually gonna go with one that I actually revisited last week. Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, this is a movie that I that I hadn't seen since like November, December, twenty nineteen. Uh, like like right in the heat of Oscar season. Um, very very glad just to to let everyone know I enjoyed it just as much the second time. This movie is such a vibe. This movie is just like it's just oozing with 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 the scenery of, of the late sixties. Tarantino does, does such a great job. Of grasping that time period and all of its glamour, but also a lot of its faults, and ex and kind of kind of exposing kind of like, yes, there's beauty in all what you see. But there's a lot of shit that goes down in between. And I think he does a great job of kind of breaking it all up and giving it to you bit by bit. I think this movie has a lot of really great like one scene performances. Like I, I think I think Kurt Russell in in, in his parts are, are really really good. Um, I think I think that plus the whole sequence of 
um, of, of, of um, uh, uh, Cliff fighting Bruce Lee. Yes, I know the controversy behind that, but I think all in all, it's still a really, really funny scene. I think it's a really, really, uh, I think it's a really well done scene as well. Um, and then, of course, like you have, you have Damian Lewis and Steve McQueen and all that, and I think all, all the, all the, every performance. There's not a bad performance in the film. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely love, love, love this movie. Yeah, uh, I, I really enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I, I think DiCaprio is just so incredible in this movie because he has such a tough job to do here because he has to play all facets of this not of this character that is not a simple character whatsoever, but he also has to portray this character portraying other characters. And I think it gets, he, he does it so well. And it's such a, a multifaceted performance. I, I, I'm so entertained by Brad Pitt in this uh, Pacino's greatness. A uh, few scenes he's in everybody is just really fantastic, but I love I love that ending uh, scene with the Mansons, Mansons with uh, when Cliff is over and he's just uh, he's talking to the guy. What's your name? And it's like, and the guy says something. And it's like, no, no I'm out. Dumber than that. Dumber than that. <laughs> I, I thought that it was. He's, high, he's, he's on acid at that point. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, thoughts on what's funny time in the world? Uh, kind of a funny but sad story, or at least in my opinion, it's kind of sad. Uh, when the Oscars of 2019 were happening, I was at a, I was at, I was at some friend's house. This right before the COVID pandemic hit, uh, the Oscars were happening in 2020, and uh, when the Best Picture was, by the time the Best Picture award was being presented, uh, a couple of us had been discussing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and there were several that were saying like, "This movie is so overlong." This movie is so boring. And I was like, am I alone here in like really, really liking this movie? And then they showed the best picture montages. And then they played that scene where Cliff was like, no, nah, it was dumber than that. And then one of the people who, I, who was, was talking about not liking it, she said, you know what? That was one of the better parts of the movie. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I really, really love this movie as well. I've uh, been meaning to rewatch it because I think it's a very... Uh, very well paced movie, even though it's supposed to be very long. I love the the just the way that the just the way that Tarantino lets you enjoy the atmosphere there, and hoping slash wishing that Sharon Tate actually did survive. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's my second favorite Tarantino film, honestly. Okay, uh, Scott, I, I know you're a bit of a Tarantino guy. How, what do you think of Once Upon a Time, also, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Also, my second favorite Tarantino movie, actually. This is up to my top 30, I think, of all time. I think this movie is incredible. Um, it's his you know, closest thing he's made to a Hangout movie, for sure, so I love it for that reason. I agree, DiCaprio's best performance ever for me. Um and I just love the, how warm the movie is and the Sharon Tate stuff, especially. Um, and also, the nobody's mentioned the scene with Julia Butter, but that might be my favorite mm -hmm. scene, actually, with her. Um, that whole conversation that they have there um, is, yeah. uh, is phenomenal. But yeah, it's Tarantino, once again, using movies sort of as a sandbox to play out his personal, like, 
goal, you know, fantasies and aspirations and everything. But the real life element this time, I think, adds an extra layer to it. So I love the movie. Absolutely. And Jack? Uh, yeah, I, I saw this movie for, for the first time in the theater with my dad, which that was an experience in and of itself. But no, the movie's great. Uh, your family, man. Brad oh. Pitt uh, gives my favorite performance in the film, personally. Uh, but uh, I've only seen it the one time. I've been meaning to go back to it. I just haven't had the, t the opportunity to do it. But uh, I remember really liking it the first time. And while it's still fantastic it's probably my fifth favorite tarantino maybe six uh he's just made so many fantastic movies so completely that's, that's completely somewhere. fair uh now we will get to joseph joseph what's your favorite movie log this week uh this one's a bit of a surprise uh this movie i watched for um i was uh looking into neon films i thought that uh a24 was the only independent studio that people cared about but apparently a few people also talked about neon in this community so like i was like okay there's some movies here that i didn't know were neon so i'm checking this out and i surprisingly really really dug uh 2018's assassination nation this movie is wild it is <laughs> caleb's face it says it all um, the box from my library that I got it from said it's a mix of Mean Girls and The Purge. <laughs> and Go ahead, Joseph. But I'm, I'm not here today, just so you all know. I had nothing Probably for the better. Probably for the better. <laughs> um, uh, the movie centers around a a town that kind of turned that a town that turns on people whose data leaks are exposed and their browsing histories are exposed and then people turn on them because they go like oh you're a monster oh you're this and that you're a terrible person because of what you looked at and then some people are falsely accused of creating those data leaks and then they try to survive the people who are trying to attack them uh it's the most enjoyable kind of schlocky type of movie that could have been made out of this concept i think uh yeah uh yeah okay so i haven't seen this film i just want to ask one question for a clarification uh oh is this the movie that opens with the trigger warning yes yes <laughs> scully you see this no, but I know someone who has. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> okay, that's a little too far. That's a little too far. Yeah, it's way too far. Uh, Jack, have you seen this? I know your cousin No, has, but all I've, all I've ever heard of this is, is one Cameron Holzman's absolute hatred for this film. So That is also what I know. Uh, Scott... Br brutal take by John. That this is much better than barely lethal. But um, I I don't mind the movie either. I'm gonna be honest with you. I saw it in theaters when it came out, and I was like, it's one of those movies where it's like the director just where Sam Levinson, the director, he just throws everything at the wall and like just you know we'll see what sticks. 
And the stuff that does stick actually works really well. There's a there's a whole like action set piece type thing that happens in the house in this house and the way it's shot like circling around the outside of the house and everything is really like creative now i think probably a lot of the commentary and stuff that's going um you know on in the movie is bs and up its own ass but like from a visual perspective there is at least something there to take away from it so i don't mind this take from joseph <laughs> okay uh well i have not seen the film i don't know if i will uh, I've heard nothing but bad things about Sam Levinson outside of Euphoria, and I've been told I would hate Euphoria. So we'll move on, though, to my pick. And Joseph, I, I'm, I'm going to apologize to Joseph right now because I watched a movie that I thought was great that I know Joseph really likes. I watched Seven Samurai, and that was great. It's not my pick tonight, though, because uh, I also this week watched another movie uh, that I was really impressed by, uh, and that just hit. I I was I was so astounded with Atonement. I thought Atonement was fantastic. I I just I I knew it was a World War II movie. I didn't really, and I knew who was in it. I didn't really know too much beyond that. I knew like that there was something really interesting with the score. That the score is entirely like not entirely, but the main percussion instrument is the typewriter. Uh, I knew that. Didn't know what this movie was actually about. I almost don't want to get too much into the plot because the way the plot progresses is so fascinating. And it, it's this movie is significantly more interesting than I thought it would be. And really, the main theme of this movie is ripple effects. The way one action ripple effects into disaster and it is so fascinating and the performances in this are great everyone is fantastic in this uh you you've got james mcavoy and kira knightley and Sir ronan who is phenomenal uh benedict cumberbatch is in there for a few scenes and he's really good uh, and a young juno temple uh but someone who who didn't get any oscar attention She's only in the movie for one scene. I think she's phenomenal as Vanessa Redgrave. Vanessa Redgrave is genuinely astounding in this. Uh, her her scene is just recontextualized the movie, and it's such a brilliant scene. Um, love love this movie. It's Joe Wright when he's on, he's on. This movie looks phenomenal. Loved it. Uh, Joseph, have you? I I assume you've seen Atonement. I actually haven't. Oh wow! This feels like a why, very Joseph movie. Why? Why the apology? I was like, I haven't seen it. I I don't recall. No, it. I apologize for Seven Samurai. Wait, have you not seen Seven Samurai? No, I have, but yeah, I apologize because I didn't pick Seven Samurai. That's what I was apologizing. Oh, that's that's because like I no, it's just like I know that's a you movie. I was like, oh, I wanted to talk about that with Joseph, but I was like, oh man, I also watched Atonement this week. So that's the only reason I apologize. Okay. So yeah, you have seen uh, Scully. You've seen Atonement. This also feels oh, like yeah. Riley too. Yeah, I watched this like so, like several years ago when I was really getting into like war dramas and war epics, and this is more like the, the first films in that genre that I really really fell in love with. I think everything about this film is incredible. I think James, I think all the performances are great. Young Saoirse Ronan is like it's amazing to watch, and then like. Kieran Knightley just had this amazing run in the 2000s of just of, of just being 
just great in everything she does. Uh, this is just another example. And James, James McAvoy, I mean, he absolutely kills it in this as well. And I, I'm not going to give too much of the story away because I think people really need to watch it on their own and like discovers it unravels. But it's so uniquely crafted and refined. It, you, it just keeps you just wanting more and more and more and more. And the film's like, it's 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 like exactly two hours long, or maybe it's a little bit over two hours long. You feel like this could go on for days, and you could just still watch it. And Joe Wright, I mean, like you said, when he's on, he's on, and he was on something. He was on something when when, when he made this movie. So yeah, I love I love I love Atonement. Oh, can I just say one thing about men? You mentioned you you apologizing to me is that's that's nothing. I watched the I finally caught up on the YLS bracketology video, and there are a lot of things that happen in that. Apologies that, that people need to, need to apologize yeah. for. So you're good. <laughs> I'm I'm behind on YLS, so I haven't seen that one yet. I need to watch that one. I don't do know yourself a Let's favor. just say. Don't. Let's just say everyone involved in that video suffered a lot, and they all deserved it. For <laughs> okay, fair reasons. enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jack, has Holtzman made you watch Atonement yet? Not yet. Fair well, enough. Well, he should. Uh, Scott, you seen Atonement? I have, yeah. And even even though Joe Wright does make garbage sometimes, like the woman in the window, um, like I will always defend him as a director because I think the trilogy of Pride and Prejudice, this and Anna Karenina is like pretty unassailable. Um, Anna Karenina is like much more experimental, but like this movie and Pride and Prejudice are like how you do like a period, like a traditional period piece and make it enjoyable to a modern audience. Like, I don't know if I can pinpoint one specific thing that he does, but like, you, like Boatman said, I feel like you kind of expect this to be like a stuffy period piece um you know with emotionally withdrawn characters and you know tight corsets and all that stuff but um it, it's it's not that it's you know it's it's really it, it does have a livelier more contemporary feel to it the performances are great it's a very sad movie so i don't come back to it a lot because of that but um it's probably my one or two from joe wright so i love it so far joe wright is three for three with me of the the movies i've seen with darkest hour and cyrano so i i watch the woman in the window <laughs> i yeah i've heard that one bad and obviously not gonna watch pan uh but right i i now really want to check out Pride and prejudice uh so scott we'll stick with you what is your favorite movie log this week so i watched a lot of great movies this week actually and you might expect me to talk about Apollo 10 and a half, which is the new Linklater movie that came out. And I do highly recommend it, but I want to talk about a different movie because I think it's only going to be in theaters for a short time. Um, I watched this movie because Paul and Michael went to see it and they were like raving about it. And I had not heard of it really. And some other people on Twitter, actually, I think John saw it as well. Who's in the chat. Um, were raving about it. And I had not heard anything about it till last week. And I was going to go see Morbius on Saturday, but then like the reviews were just what they were. So I decided to spend three hours and watch this Indian movie called RRR. Um, I think it stands for like Rise, Roar, Revolt or something. Um, but this is a, it's a three hour um, Indian action movie. It's not Bollywood. It's actually, uh, yeah, that exactly, John. It's actually um, produced in a different location called Tollywood or Telugu, I think is the actual name of the place. But um, 
I can't I can't remember what the director's name is, but apparently he's made some other movies in this style. Um, but this movie is insane. Like the action in this movie is beyond what pe- what they are doing in you know American action movies, and it only it only costs like fifty million dollars I think to make an American money. Um, yeah, Telugu's the language. Telugu's the language it's in, but it is like it's a historical fiction basically about these two actual people who are revolutionaries like in indian history but they never actually connected they actually never actually knew each other but this is like a fictional narrative where they become like best friends um and it's so there's like there's all kinds of stuff going on again it it is an action movie ostensibly but there's romance angle there's crazy musical numbers again like you might expect out of a bollywood movie there's this like dance sequence in the middle at um that's you know wild it's beautiful to look at but then yeah it it all comes back to the set pieces like just using you know random stuff as projectiles there's a scene with like 14 different types of cg animal cgi animals that just get released from cages um and it's one of those movies that like if you actually sit down and think about the plot it's like the british government um you know spend so much energy trying to stop these people from rescuing one girl or whatever it's just like a terrible use of resources throughout the entire movie by the british uh, army but it's set in like the early uh, 20th century but i highly recommend this movie i highly recommend watching it um in a theater it is long like i said it is over three hours but like it's the perfect way to spend a saturday afternoon like it's a perfect saturday matinee movie and you're gonna see stuff that you have not seen in American action movies before, so I highly recommend it. Uh, that is fair. I have not seen this. I have seen everyone on Letterbox log this, and everyone who logs it loves it. So I'm kind of interested. Has anyone else here seen this? I'm just going to throw that out. I have- this film has been playing at my local theater since February, and every week when I when I go to see another movie, I see the poster and I'm like, "What is this about?" So now I know what it's about. Am I going to watch it? Probably not, but as I know what it's about. Fair enough. Now, uh, Jack, take us home. What's your right. log this week? Well, uh, yeah, no, uh, I had a not 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 the busiest week for movie watching, but uh, I did rewatch one that gets way too much hate. Oh, and that's Mockingjay Part One. Oh my fucking Christ! Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not that bad. It's actually kind of kind of good. Is it the worst one in the franchise? Sure. But in comparison to some other YA movies, this movie's fantastic. Um uh, the easily my favorite scene in the film is the uh the hanging tree song and the when the people of District 5 blow up the dam uh for uh that was given the the capital massive amounts of power and that whole scene is just fantastic when they start marching there chanting the song goosebumps every time and most of that is and that's almost entirely because of the experience i had with it in the theater when i was in the hospital and got a day pass got to see it with my mom and it was just incredible to see i don't know why but it's fantastic uh i that scene movie's good doesn't deserve all the hate it gets it's better than every single divergent movie and every single twilight movie and yeah it's it, not it, a high bar to clear that's not a high bar to clear and then i'd I say it's a little bit better 
But yeah, uh, Mockingjay Part One, my least favorite Hunger Games movie. Not a film I'm I'm a fan of whatsoever. This one's just kind of a slog, if we're being honest. Like I, I, I find Mockingjay, both of them, just so disappointing. Because I I have an attachment to the first Hunger Games movie, Hunger Games movie, though I admit its flaws. I think Catching Fire is legitimately really good. And then these two are just such an unsatisfying resolution. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm just not a fan. Uh, Jack. He already said it. I <laughs> said Jack. I was looking at Joseph. Meant to say Joseph. Joseph. Uh, the first time I saw this movie, I really liked it because I had just I was just reading the book and I thought that it was a very close adaptation of it. Um, <laughs> then I rewatched it and it went down for me. The the focus on just the setup felt more of a slog compared to what would eventually be brought up in Mockingjay Part Two. So. Yeah, it's gone down for me on rewatch. I can see why some people would say that it's not that bad because I also agree that it's not that bad. It just doesn't hold up on repeat watches for me. That is fair. Scully, you have opinions. Actually, no, Scully, you have opinions. You're going last. Scott? Yes, thank you. Um, this movie has to be one of the greatest like momentum killers for a franchise because like the first movie and Catching Fire are actually quite good and did very well then this movie came out and like i it, i don't remember a single thing about this movie it was just in one ear and out the other for me and then i'm not convinced that part two ever did come out uh does anyone <laughs> remember part mocking part two coming out i don't um that that movie uh i don't think i think that's a fake movie but um yeah i, I like i said in one ear out the other i quite like the first two I did not care after this movie came out that is fair uh, Scully, go ahead, let it rip. I've had to watch this movie no less than three times since it was added to fandom. And every single time, there is a... So, in my house, there is a, a, a medium-sized bottle of Captain Morgan. I usually try to save this bottle for you know, special occasions and things like that, but like just the mere mention of this movie and it being good for some people makes me want to grab it right now. I am sorry. Scott is 100% correct. This kills any sort of momentum that Catching Fire built up because I love Catching Fire. I think that's a very good movie. Francis Lawrence directs the hell out of that. Whatever he was doing in this film, I don't know what the hell happened. Man, he just forgot how to direct. I mean, there's not a single thing in this movie that's good except for maybe the the hanging tree song. That's about it. I mean, you 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 sidelined some of the best characters for bullshit propaganda pieces that don't pay off. I'm sorry, Spence. This is not a good propaganda film. This is not a good use of propaganda. This is just to sell tickets to 15 year old girls who want to live in a dystopian fantasy. Boys in Jack's case, but. This it's just it's so frustrating that this is this is a part one because it, there's absolutely no there's no payoff beyond this and there's nothing to look forward to except you know oh look I guess she has her voice back five minutes later after the first film ends. You so, really could have made it one movie and it would have been significantly better. 
so that's everyone for Mockingjay Part 2. That's everyone for your favorite movie log this week. Now we get the other side of the coin. Least favorite movie log this week. Uh, well, you know what? I'll start this time. Least favorite movie log this week. I don't think I had anything like atrocious. Actually, oh, yes, yeah. I do. I do. Yep. So uh, when you have friends and you have alcoholic beverages, you make bad decisions. And, you know, uh, sometimes you get half a glass of wine and you decide, hey, we're all here. Scully's drunk. Let's all watch Cheaper by the Dozen 2021 or 22. So we did. I hate Zach Braff. I hate him. I hate him. I, I do not enjoy this man. Uh, why? Why? Why are there only nine Baker children? There are only nine Baker children. They have the little nephew that he doesn't count. He the, the nephew is that's still ten. That's not a dozen. You know what a dozen is? No, you don't because you're Zach Braff. Gabrielle Union is fine. She's not good or anything, but she's I guess not the worst person in the world. I, I hate Zach Braff. I do not enjoy Zach Braff. All these kids are annoying. I do not enjoy Cheaper by the Dozen 2022. It was a bad time. Steve Martin is rolling in his grave and he's not even dead. Joseph, you've seen this abomination? No, but the Steve Martin movies are childhood movies of mine. I am just learning now that it's not even 12 children. Yeah, no. It's more like yours, mine, and ours. We're like it's like three children from separate marriages, and then they've had three children, and then they adopted some others. So it's I don't remember that. No, I'm saying in Chibru, in 2022. Oh in this, okay. in this new film, it's like children from other marriage, kind of more like yours, mine, and ours. And also their own children, and also they've adopted some. And even then, they only get to nine. <laughs> even with all that extra steps, we only get to nine. Are they including the parents as kids? I They're suppose? basically including the parents as part of the dozen. Well, and then this no, thing with no. Them. They're counting Barack Obama and Joe Biden, and I hate that I know the names of the dogs now. Yes, the dogs' names are Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Yep, that's not even Biden. Nope. But that is that is exactly something that a white liberal family would name their dogs. Let's be quite honest here. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, You're not wrong. I I, I'm going to Scully last. Because he sat through the pain with us. Jack also sat through the pain with us. Scott, you see this one yet? Uh, no, I can't uh, think of what would possibly compel me to watch, ever watch this. I'm perfectly fine with the ones that we had with Steve Martin. So, uh, yeah. That's fair. Jack? Yeah, this was an experience. Um, I'm going to read you a quote uh, from one of the Kingsmen while watching this film. If you're telling me the ex-wife counts as 12, I'm going to cut my own head off. Thomas Scully. <laughs> Thomas Scully did say that. Scully will uh, elaborate. When, when Zach Braff, I'm pretty so sure Zach Braff does the splits, one of the Kingsmen said, I hope his scrotum split in half. 
I was. I don't think I said that. Which is weird. I was telling. Hey, you don't have to reveal all of these messages. People are watching no, this. No. Yeah, let, let's go to Scully. Scully talk. But no, this movie's shit. Fair enough. Scully. Look, I mean, yeah. Disney, I think, is just going to do this this whole thing of they're just going to remake everything from like the nineties and two thousands that a lot of people our age and like a, like you know a decade older really loved as kids. Just so I guess you know our kids can experience these things too, but in a different context. Like, I, I if if that's their reasoning behind it, I guess I understand. But this is some of the worst movie making I've ever seen. Every joke falls flat. I didn't laugh at. I laughed maybe. I, I laughed once, and I can't remember the, the joke I laughed at. It, it might have been just like a, like a quick cut of dry humor or something. I think we got Stockholm syndrome at some point. <laughs> Probably, and like everything is just awful. Like, why does the ex-wife live with them? What is her purpose? That doesn't make any sense. You got the. You try to in 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 input some some you know other sort of messaging from the ex-husband and while i think that is maybe slightly well done it's very uncomfortable seeing zach braff try to adapt to that because he's probably the whitest individual god ever created and for him to be in that kind of situation that feels like a hate crime all on its own that's fair. so everything about this movie sucks and I wish it would just be erased from the face of the earth forever. That is fair. Okay. Uh, Joseph, what's the more work you watch this week? So this is tough. There's one movie I watched that I found really obnoxious. And then there's this other movie that I watched that is technically not a great movie but it's kind of entertainingly campy at the same time of it. So I didn't hate it as much as I expected to, but mm, mm, I'm not, I'm not ready to set quite a fire by picking the other one. So I'll just say that my least favorite one is the apple, which is a 1980 musical that, or I should say quote unquote musical because uh think of a the most 80s hip hop uh, the most 80s pop music and songs you can think of in all their cheesy glory and this movie still manages to find ways to make them even more ridiculous and more cheesy and more there are some strange songs in this song <laughs> in, in this movie there's one song that's literally a woman trying to seduce a male character by singing, I'm coming, coming for you. And that's not the worst thing about it. Well, mm. actually, actually Don't it might like get away that. It, But yeah. Okay. Um, where's, my, same, where's my where's my captain? Has anyone oh sorry, go ahead, Joseph. I mean um, at the same time though. The first song is surprisingly catchy. That is fair. That was it. <laughs> That's that's fair. Okay, has anyone here seen this movie? No. No. Not a lot of things. Okay. Then, frankly, I'd rather just move right along. Uh, so 
Well, you 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 took my pick, thank God. Um, now, my my pick, my, my secondary. No, you're good. My secondary pick for this week is a movie that I was subjected to. I was subjected to several, um, about like two thirds of this movie, one day at work this week because it's one of it's one of my coworkers' favorite movies. I didn't log in because I didn't watch the full movie, but it's uh, it's Taxi. With Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah. Oh, God. I had seen this movie once before, like, years ago. And then I got into the argument with with, with a co-worker, because, like, she, she loves this film. And I'm just I'm just watching, I'm like, what's wrong with people? Like, I, there's just so many things wrong with this film. Like, Jimmy Fallon as a cop is the worst idea ever. I mean, that man's a walking citation. Just wouldn't happen. Um, I I enjoy Queen Latifah when she's being trying to be funny a little bit, but like <sighs> nothing about this film works. Um, and uh, you you know you, you know who you are. Maybe made me watch this film. Uh, we're 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 never working together again in the field. Um, so thank you very much. Fair enough. Uh, I, I would not want to be on uh, that side of Thomas Scully. Uh, I, I have not seen this, but Jimmy Fallon has just kind of always seemed to me like an animatronic came to life and somehow got famous. Uh, Joseph, you see Taxi? I haven't, but if you add Driver to the end, I have. Fair. Jack? I have not in both cases. That's We're going to talk about that later. Uh, Scott? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, we all make good, better life decisions. I don't. Uh, Do we, though? We don't. <laughs> I don't. Let's be real. <laughs> None of us do. Uh, maybe Scott. Scott Scott hasn't seen something. Anyway, not important. Uh, now we get to... Let's go to Jack. Jack, what's your worst movie you love this week? Well, this hurts me. Because... Uh, Boatman took the one I was going to pick, and I'm not going to talk about the one that would technically fall into that category, because I'll be talking about it at length on Sunday. Uh, So I'm going to go with the movie I saw a couple days ago with my family. And uh, I still rather enjoyed this film. It just happens to be my lowest of this week. It's The Lost City. This movie is just a lot of fun. Uh, Is it particularly good? Like, no, it's not like an amazing movie, but it's just a fun, dumb romance adventure film and with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. And you kind of know what you're getting into with that. And But Daniel Radcliffe is so good in this film. Like, I love what Daniel Radcliffe has done with his career post Harry Potter, Uh, like kind of just doing whatever the hell he wants. It's just so much fun to watch. Uh, I think he's he's great in Guns Akimbo, and he's uh, really good in this. So if you're gonna watch the movie, watch it for Daniel Radcliffe alone, like and uh, and Oscar from The Office. He's in it for a little bit, so that's fun. Uh, I I will say I like Brad Pitt in this. I thought oh, Brad oh, Pitt. shit, that's right. I forgot about Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's actually pretty funny in this, but yeah, I think Tatum and Bullock are like fine. They're they're perfectly like passable like tatum's been funny bullock's been funny in this they're both just kind of 
doing their shticks and they're they're fine. They're perfectly fine. They're nothing special. And that's kind of this movie. This movie is just eh. It, it's probably not one I will think about very much. Joseph, you see this yet? Nope. Scully, you see this one? No, but it, it does look interesting. I might catch it when it comes out, like on one of, on one of the streaming services. Fair, Scott. Uh, no, based on the trailers, this movie's not for me, so I'm going to be avoiding it. That is fair. Uh, so, Scott, take us home. All right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really hate this movie, but it's probably the worst one that I watched this week. Uh, no strings attached. Um, I was just looking for something to watch on, I guess, Sunday, just like kind of light. Um, and this, I realize I've seen, you know, I've seen the other movie, right? I've seen Friends with Benefits, the other movie with the same premise that came out the same year. Um, but I had never seen this one. It has like a pretty interesting supporting cast. Like it has um, Lake Bell and Greta Gerwig, both of whom I find for, to be very funny. Um, so I thought, hey, maybe there's some fun to be had here. There's some fun to be had here. It does mostly come from the supporting cast. Um, you know, the premise is kind of whatever. I think, you know, Natalie Portman is solid. Ashton Kutcher plays Ashton Kutcher. Um, I don't think he, you know, does anything that you've never seen before from him. Um, and, and, you know, there's actually a decent amount of laughs kind of in the first 30, 40 minutes of the movie. However, in the third act, it decides it wants to become like serious and like, a, you know, serious romance type movie like that. Of these, you know, characters really have to confront their serious feelings for each other. And also, but also at the same time, we have Kevin Klein who plays the dad of um, Ashton Kutcher's character. And he goes to the hospital because he over overdoses on purple drink. So I'm sorry that I just ruined No Strings Attached for you, but that is something that happens in the third act of this movie at the same, while they are in the middle of trying to do like the big emotional arc. So stuff like that is pretty dumb. Uh, I don't think they really landed the plane very well, but it's not terrible. It's fine. It's probably about on the same quality as uh, Friends with Benefits. Friends with Benefits might be slightly better, but um, they're just kind of, passable rom-coms but sometimes that's all you need like it got the job done for what i was looking for on that sunday that is fair uh joseph you see this nope jack you see this nope gonna assume no uh scully i feel like if anyone's seen this maybe you have <gasps> no that's the piece ivan reitman though yeah yeah um so that's it. That's it for the, the preamble. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Uh, our picks for movie set in one location. Uh, Scully, I'll let you make the first pick. Ooh, all right. My first pick, um, this movie I actually watched for the first time last year. I've gotten to, re to, like, to, to, re to, revisit, it, to revisit parts of it um, You know, at various points throughout like, the course of last year. Uh, it's Rear Window. I watched this over the first time. I think I was isolating like like last year, maybe I think over the summer. I just love every every aspect of this film. I think Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly are incredible in this. Um, Grace Kelly in particular, I think she's honestly the standout for me. I think when she really gets into the film, it's in, in into the whole mystery of it. The film really starts to get going. Um, I just think that it's the whole, like, like that, 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 that whole area of just like 
in his apartment and just looking out and just seeing that same little picture out the window for the entire runtime. It's kind of like it, it, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Where's Waldo. You 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 just you spot little different parts of it every time you look at it, and that way it kind of feels like you're helping you're you're, you're helping figure out the mystery and the investigation along with both Stuart and Kelly. And I think I think the last twenty minutes of the film are incredible. They provide lots of great you know intrigue and mystery. Um, one of the best climaxes to uh, an, an older film that I've probably uh, that I've ever seen. I don't know if it's my favorite Hitchcock because I want to rewatch like Psycho and North by Northwest and a couple of the and then want to watch a couple of the older ones too like Rope. Um, but I think as of right now, if I had to pick, this might be my favorite Hitchcock. Um, but yeah, this was this this was probably this was the the, the one I had at the top of my list for tonight. That is fair. Uh, I love this one this is my favorite hitchcock uh i i think that the way this movie makes you care about characters who you rarely ever hear speak is like really fascinating like the way that you really get to like know these people that just across the way without really getting a whole lot of characterization but beyond what Stuart sees is like really uh, fascinating, and I, and I like it a lot. Um, I the yeah, I, I just love love the way Hitchcock directs this movie. He's the master of suspense, and I think this is like the top of his mastery for me. Uh, Scott, I'll go to you. Yeah, absolutely. This movie had to be picked for this topic. Um, one of my favorites, favorite Hitchcock. It's you know, I think Hitchcock's at his best when he's like. In addition to doing these, you know, thriller plots, he's like exposing these dark sides of human nature. And like here, it's like our tendency for voyeurism, right? Like, you know, Jeffries is just like this normal journalist or whatever who gets swept, you know, photographer gets swept away by, um, you know, the sort of voyeuristic thrill of sitting there and having nothing else to to do on a daily basis. And the movie kind of shows the perils of that approach of not minding your own business, so to speak. And I think there are other Hitchcock movies which take on different, you know, angles again, like strangers on a train. It's like, Oh, um, everyone has somebody that's secretly deep down. They, you know, would want to see bumped off. So I, again, I think that's when Hitchcock's at his best when he's doing that kind of psychological stuff. And that's definitely true in rear window. And like, yeah, the, this, there's a lot of setup probably by today's standards in a movie, but like it pays off so well, like, when Grace Kelly goes across the way and is in the apartment and you like just see um, Raymond Burr's character like coming around the corner and you know that there's nothing that he can do because he can't move and he can't yell out to her because that's only going to make it worse. It's just like, you know, you're just pinned to your chair. So great. Movie. Absolutely. Jack. Yeah, this is my favorite Hitchcock movie. It's fantastic. Uh, I love love james stewart in this i think he's uh incredible love grace kelly in it i think the the mystery is really uh really gripping throughout the film and uh it having it all taking place in one location is just uh it, it, it's a lot of fun and uh it, this was actually on my list of movies i might pick uh if it got to me so yeah good pick joseph 
Slight spoilers without context. This movie made me more tense than I think I've ever seen photographs being taken. Absolutely. No, that that sequence is brilliant. Uh, so, Joseph, we'll stick with you. What's your first pick for this topic? There's an obvious one that I feel like could will definitely be mentioned uh, later. So uh, let me know if this... Uh, there's a movie that I want to bring up that I think definitely counts in this category. But If you were to say it counts, it will count. Okay. Because there's only the beginning and the ending scenes that are at different locations, but everything else is set in one location. Uh, Ex Machina. That was on the list. Uh, this is my favorite A24 film that I've seen so far. I love the discussion about the themes of artificial intelligence and how lifelike they can be and the risks and dangers that the creators played by that the, that uh, Oscar Isaac's character uh, brings about with his experimentation on Ava, who's brilliantly played by Alicia Vikander. Um, I haven't seen The Danish Girl, but I'm kind of upset that she wasn't nominated for this movie. And then she wins for uh, Danish Girl again. I haven't seen it, but uh, yeah. And the visual effects are very minimalistic, but so, so well utilized. The illusions are never broken in this movie. It looks like a beautiful film. I love the atmosphere in it. And uh, yeah, props to the visual effects artist for being the film with the lowest budget since Alien, I want to say, to win Best Visual Effects at the Oscars. That is fair. Uh, so I, full disclosure, this is one of my bigger blind spots. I've never seen Ex Machina. I've been meaning to. I've just never gotten around to it. Scott. Yeah, definitely a great movie. Um, I think I like Annihilation a little bit more. Um, but I still think this is, you know, really great. I'll never forget seeing it in theaters. Um, I don't have too much to add, but I will say um, his new movie, Alex Brown's new movie, Men, is coming out in a few weeks, and it looks like it's also going to be a single location movie, at least from the trailer. So um, that could be interesting. That will be interesting. Jack? I haven't seen this one, but I really want to. It's high on my watch list. That is fair. Scully? Muted. You're muted. Yeah, he's not muted on our on this end. I think oh. just, just something with his audio. Scully, try talk. Yeah. Oh, okay. We still can't hear you. Maybe try leaving and come back. When you get back, we'll get back to you on X Mach, and it will just go to my pick. Okay, Max Machina. Have you seen it? Yeah, sorry, yeah. I watched the movie the first time for, for a class when I freshman year of college, and I loved it. I, I really enjoyed um, all, all the performances. I think the story's pretty airtight. Um, it's just really a different kind of film, really intriguing kind of film. I almost spend too much more time on it because I know we got to move on with the show, but yeah, I really enjoyed this, and this was more towards the bottom of my list, but it was still there. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, now on to my pick, and I'm I'm also gonna 
play like Joseph. I'm not going to be strict about the one location thing because this technically you could argue this is like mostly two locations, but I'm, I'm talking, I, I'm counting it dog day afternoon. It's, it's one central area and you're, you're basically getting one location. Uh, and it's a very contained film. Uh, I love Dog Day Afternoon. This is one of my favorite movies. And you want to talk about one location being able to build tension. This movie is just one of the most claustrophobic films ever made. Just so locked in. And the way you really just feel the energy of the crowd, the energy within Pacino's performance. This is my favorite Pacino performance. I think he's phenomenal in this. I love him in this film. Just, just astounded by this performance every time I see it. Uh, and you, he backed up by fantastic supporting cast of actors with various levels of fame. Like you've got your John Casals and John Casals and your uh, Chris Sarandons. You also have Carol Kane and uh, Charles Durning. Uh, love, love all of them. Um, but yeah. Uh, this movie is just so tense. Uh, I I love it. Uh, let's go to Joseph. Joseph, that's a nugget afternoon. Yeah, Pacino had a killer '70s decade. The Godfather films, Serpico, and then this movie. Uh, but then people thought, no, he'll have another win later on that will give him an Oscar. Yeah, let's wait a little bit, and then Scent of a Woman happens, and then, which is not a bad performance, but like. You could have given him something from this or anything else from the 70s. Uh, this movie is really, really good. I really I agree with what you were saying. It feels very claustrophobic. I love the shots where you could see people sweating because it also makes me, makes me also feel anxious about the events that happen. It's still crazy to me that this is a true story and then it feels, and then it's made for this movie because it feels like. It, it, it feels something that somebody came up with in their mind, but it's actually based on real events. That's that's crazy to me. The ending blew me away. Really, really great ending also. That is fair. Uh, so now we will go to Scully. Scully, have you seen Dog Day Afternoon? Still haven't seen it, but it's on the Oh, you got to watch this one, buddy. I you know. Gotta... We have this conversation like every three months. You dig this one. I'm going to uh, watch it. Be patient. It's going to happen. I'm just saying, you should watch it. I, I'm sorry. You no, you know what? You don't deserve this movie. Anyway, Jack. Yeah, I know this movie's watch great. Watch time. Yeah, Hopefully. this movie's great. Uh, Al Pacino's fantastic. I uh, uh, John Cazale's great. Uh, but the fact that, okay, that's actually kind of unfair because Al Pacino goes up against one of my favorite uh, Best Actor winners ever uh that year and had one floor of the cuckoo's nest been released any other year give it to give it to pacino but uh he's still fantastic in this i love this film uh i i've only seen it the one time but i i plan on watching it like with soon like really soon so yes yeah, i'm excited, uh, excited to rewatch it oh sorry scott yeah, timeless classic. It's, uh, you know, thrilling. It's surprisingly funny. Um, it's, you know, unpredictable. You don't really know what's going to happen next. And actually quite progressive for the time in which it was released. So, um, yeah, has an age today. 
Absolutely. Uh, now, Scott, we'll stick with you. Uh, what is your first pick? Yeah, so if you listen to the rewatchables at all, um, they just did this movie last week and uh, reminded me how much I loved this movie. Uh, it's Panic Room uh, by David Fincher. Um, I don't know that Fincher can really have like an underrated movie or anything because he's David Fincher and he hasn't really made that many movies, to be quite honest. But like this may be the closest thing that he has uh, because I feel like it doesn't get talked about quite enough when talking about like the upper echelon of his movies. And realistically, it's probably not in the upper echelon of his movies because he's one of the best directors there is. Um, but it's like it's him doing just a full on genre exercise. Um, and in that regard, it's it's, you know, thrilling. It, it has the same level of craft, though, that he brings to all of his other movies. I mean, again, read about the production history of this movie and like it's Fincher doing Fincher things. And like the the there's a, a scene where like what is it that falls to the ground like the glasses or something that like falls to the ground at a perfect angle or no, no, no. It's the, it's when her medical bag slides across, when she slides the medical bag across the floor into the panic room, Jodie Foster, they, they shot that scene like 150 times or something. They did like 150 takes of that, of just the sliding across the floor because that's David Fincher. But um, yeah, I, the performances are fantastic in the movie. Like all five of the leads, Jodie Foster, I feel like is so much better than Nicole Kidman, who was the original choice for the movie. Um, I would have been in the role at least. But I think what really makes the movie work is the three villains. Like they're such great competing personalities. Like you have Forrest Whitaker as like the straight man um, who works for the alarm company. You have Jared Leto as like the chaotic, like, you know, force of um, craziness, but also kind of dumb. And then you have Dwight Yoakam as Raul, like the silent assassin who just like doesn't say that much, but like any second he could just snap and, you know, blow someone's head off. Um, so there's just a really great dynamic between all three of them and they're all flushed out really well. Um, there's some really like nifty early 2000 CGI stuff that happens in the movie, which is like kind of campy and fun. There's like a sick shot through a keyhole. Um, and, you know, it's just a, the, the story. It's fun to watch it play out. Like, um, I love some of the little, you know, tricks that they use, like using the propane to like, you know, set, set uh, Jared Leto on fire, basically, through the air vent. Um, and just the, the way that they wring so much tension out of the simple setup and continuously introducing like new elements into it again, like the, like Kristen Stewart being a diabetic and we got to run out and get the medication and all this. There's some logical gaps and everything, but the way that they keep upping the ante really works. And I think the movie holds up really well. Yeah. I, you know, I, I really like your point about the criminals here and they almost remind me a little bit of the criminals from the seventies taking of Pelham one, two, three, just kind of a, a similar dynamic of like, various levels of of control and precision competence. Yeah. and yeah and competence and kind of a competing attitude between the criminals even though they're they're all aligned to the same goal and i think that's really fascinating fincher's one of the new masters of tension uh dude dude knows how to pull <coughs> off while still feeling like his own thing every fincher movie feels very much like a fincher movie and yeah, uh, this is no exception. I wouldn't put it in top echelon of Fincher, but that's like top echelon of movies. Movies, yeah, so like, exactly. Yeah, uh, this this is a really good film. Uh, quality thriller. Joseph? 
Uh, I do think this, I would consider this uh, Fincher's most underrated film, mostly because it, with the more popular stuff that he's done, like Fight Club and Seven, it just gets, it tends to be shoved to the side of Panic, the Panic Room because he's done a lot of really popular, but also really well done movies. I caught this on TV once and I was riveted by the movie. I was very immersed by this claustrophobic atmosphere that I was creating. I wish I wasn't spoiled by the, uh, well, I guess it's not as much of a spoiler, but uh, I wish I had not known going in that Kristen Stewart's character was diabetic. Thanks, Smowdown. Uh, because I think learning about that later on as the, as the plot progresses and seeing, oh, there's actually this other obstacle or another level of tension that adds to the story that makes it really unexpected and unpredictable. Uh, but yes, I really, really enjoy this movie. I think we need to rewatch it. Should get too bad back to it. But yeah, I really, really like this movie. That is fair. Uh, Scully? We're going to go to Jack while Scully's frozen. Uh, one of the three Fincher movies I haven't seen. That is fair. Scully, please tell me you're good again. Okay. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Sorry. 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 You're good. I've not seen this. I've not seen this movie. Never uh, have that build up. <laughs> Anticlimactic. Jack, what's your first pick? All right. My first pick is a fairly recent film uh, that w went completely overlooked by. Uh, the Academy and other other awards uh, award shows, but it's it's mass, it's mass. Uh, this movie is fantastic. I think this one uh, makes like the most out of like uh, its single location. Like I, oh, what 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 words? Um, yeah, no, this movie's fantastic. It's got four phenomenal performances from four great actors my favorite of the bunch being jason isaacs although Anne Dowd is not far behind uh i think jason isaacs is just incredible uh i think uh martha plimpton is just as great uh as the rest i uh, i can't remember the other guy right now but he's also great uh and for this to be oh i can't think of his name right now Pretty sure he played Frank Bill Kranz. from from uh, yeah Frank Kranz. Pretty sure he played Bill from one of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. He uh, did play Bill. <laughs> this is his uh, writing and directing debut. What a debut for him! Like just fantastic. The script is incredible. It's directed marvelously, and it, it, it's not an easy movie to watch, but it's so like you you should watch it. Uh, this is one that should be seen by. By everyone, uh, even if it isn't uh, particularly e particularly easy to watch, and the 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 scene where uh, Jason Isaacs is uh, recapping like uh, what happened that day is heartbreaking. Like that that scene took a lot out of me. The entire movie did, but that scene in particular is just my favorite of the film. Ah, uh, yeah. I thought Mass was fantastic. This is one of those movies that I'm really disappointed the studio bungled the release. Like, much like Cyrano. Like, this, the fact that this movie didn't get any Oscar nominations is honestly, like, not even the Academy's fault. This is just the movie 
being bungled by the studio. Because uh, all four actors are really good. Everyone in this movie is firing on all cylinders. But man, Jason Isaacs and Anne Dowd are both just powerhouses of emotion in this. Jason Isaacs just being absolutely torn up and Anne Dowd. Anne Dowd is phenomenal playing a character who could come across as really unsympathetic. And it's really fascinating. And it's it's such well-written dialogue. And this movie is just amazing. I I thought I thought it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed this one. I'm sad not a lot of people got to see it. Uh, Joseph, have you seen this? I've ha- I have not, but the things that I've heard about it make me want to. It's really good. Scully? I have not, uh, but judging by what it's about, I'm probably going to need to be in the right headspace to watch it because it's very, you know, because it's a very heavy film. So at some point I will, um, but just don't be surprised if it's like, no, right away. Scott? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I agree. It should, you know, multiple performances should have been nominated, but I think that's part of the problem. It's just not a very marketable movie. the subject matter is one reason for that. Um, no one wants to go see a nice school shooting movie on a Saturday afternoon, you know. Um, and also, like, we as movie fans are like, oh, yeah, Ann Dowd, always amazing. Like, I'll go watch anything that Ann Dowd's in. The, uh, you know, average moviegoer probably doesn't know her from Eve. So, um, sadly, that was, you know, the reality of why it probably didn't get nominated. But, yeah, this movie was very close to my top ten for the year. Um I mean, when does I went to see know it, the like cast of Drive My Car, like yeah, I mean, yeah, that's 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 fair, but I feel like there is always that one token foreign language um, film, at least in recent years, that gets in there. But Mass is great. Um, when I went to see it, like the theater audience I had was like all really into it, and it just like the collective experience, I think, made it even more emotional watching, you know, what's already a very powerful movie. So um, I loved uh, this movie, and yeah, definitely more people should check it out. Uh, okay. yeah. Uh, now, what? Oh, I was gonna say something else, but now I, I I forget what it was. That's okay. Okay. Well, now we'll get back to Scully. Scully, your second pick. My second pick between two, but I think I'm gonna go with one. Yeah, I'm gonna show some fandom love tonight. I'm gonna go Alien. Yeah, I, well, for the longest time, I held the opinion that Aliens was better than Alien. And now looking back, I want to smack myself upside the face because that is an incorrect statement. Alien is amazing. My favorite. You're cutting out real bad, Scully. Okay, thank God. I thought it was me. <laughs> <laughs> For once, it's not, Jack. We'll let Scully we... finish his thoughts. Oh, back. back. I'm back. Yeah, aren't I? yeah. We back. need I'm him back. to be set in a, yeah. in another location right now, Scully. <laughs> I dealt with this last night. You know who Just you are. Who you know who you are. Anyway, Alien. Anyway, a great sci-fi horror film. Probably my favorite film in the horror genre ever. Really, Scott kicks ass. The, the, there's not a single bad performance. 
I think the slow suspense, the slow horror, something I, I, I really vibe with, it, it really makes you patient. It makes you just sit and wait for it to happen. And then it just comes and grabs you for no reason. Just like I'm, it just grabs Scott. See, look, I, I'm, I'm already talking about it. But yeah, Scott's I think by the alien. Yeah, oh, the, the, the Jerry Goldsmith scores is also really, really good. Um, and I, you know, everyone talks about scoring levers, Ellen Ripley, but like John Hurt's really good. Yafikado is really good. Harry Dean Stanton, like all these great, great actors who are in this film for not that long of a period of time, they all shine. Um, so yeah, great, great ensemble film, great horror film, great one location film. Fair enough. Uh, uh, I, I love Alien. I'm not going to talk about it very long because I feel like I've talked about it like three times in the last week, but it's great. It's phenomenal. Love it. Joseph? This is one of my all-time favorite films. It's been growing on me with every subsequent rewatch. Uh, it's a little bit disappointing to me that I'm finding more and more people try to... or kind of have the opinion that uh, that you that you have to like Alien or Aliens, but not both. You have to like one and call the other one overrated. <laughs> Bullets over Broadway. Uh, and this movie, I think it's a masterful film at creating tension. And that ending is one of the all-time greats. It's going for a different effect than what Aliens tries to do. I enjoy both quite a bit uh but i won't disagree that this one does its job better than aliens does but i really really love them both that's fair uh scott yeah i don't feel like that much more needs to be said about alien it's a movie that it, the greatness of it speaks to its speaks for itself at this point it has you know transcended whatever genres it may be a part of and i think it's just appreciated by all film fans as a masterpiece so i love it that's fair, Jack. Yeah, I, I think this film's fantastic. Uh, I have this and Alien like right next to each other. It changes like by the day which one I prefer, uh, but more often than not, I, I lean Alien. It, it, it's incredible. That is fair. Uh, that everyone on Alien, I believe. Yes. Okay, uh, Joseph. Quick clarification. How are we on modes of transportation as one location type? If you want to pick it, it counts. Okay. Joe, your question for Logda is, does this movie count? If you think it counts, it counts. Congratulations. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Someone, I don't want to have someone tell me, hey, this didn't count or things like that. But uh, uh, similar, to, uh, similar to my last film, Ex Machina, this movie's beginning and ending scenes take place at different locations, but the chunk, large chunk of this two and a half hour plus long movie is set in a submarine. Uh, uh, it's a German 1980s film called Das Boot. Mm. And it is, and it centers around a German so crew of a crew of German soldiers who are in a submarine and they, um, it centers around their journey in this in the submarine through different obstacles and it doesn't take long for the movie to really get you claustrophobic and really put you in the same situation as the actors in this movie 
I was very uh, daunted by the uh, running time, but I think it does a really, really good job at letting the pacing flow through or flow, letting the pacing flow. And the movie, when it, the movie slowly gives you more and more scenarios for the soldiers to try to survive. And when things can't get any worse, they kind of do get worse. And it's terrifying, very, very, uh, very immersive film, very hard hit hitting very hard-hitting war film for a war film that doesn't have a lot of war action it's more atmospheric but it's it's incredible i recommend it to anyone who's uh to anyone who's into war films and doesn't mind reading german in for over two and a half hours that is fair uh i haven't seen this one i've heard good things Scully, I feel like you haven't seen this one, but there's like a weird part of me that thinks maybe you somehow saw this accidentally. No, I've seen the Sweet Life on Deck episode that models this film, but I've not okay, seen it. Okay, thank you. I didn't want to look stupid by referencing that, but that's how I even I got knew you, buddy. this one. I gotcha, I gotcha. Uh, Jack, you seen the Sweet Life on Deck episode? <laughs> Because I know I've you haven't seen Sweet Life on Deck, but not that episode. Uh, I don't think. That's if true. I have, I don't remember it. That's fair. Yeah, no, Scott, I, uh, oh, have you seen Das Boot, Jack? No, but I was going to say okay. everything I've heard of it uh, is fantastic, and I really, really want to see it. That's fair. Scott? Uh, no, I haven't. But I think uh, Wolfgang Peterson is an underrated director. The episodes of Sweet Life on Deck he did were great. <laughs> <laughs> I knew him first as the never-ending story guy. Yeah. Uh, now we go to me. He's kind of hoping Joseph would pick it, but I assume Joseph knew that I was going to pick it because I'm me and I could not pick it. It's all finger men. Have I talked about this movie to death? Yes. Am I going to talk about it again? Yes. Uh, all Angry Men is my favorite movie of all time. Tim, what did Tim pick for monster movies? Tim picked Monsters, Inc., I picked 12 Angry Men. Uh, this is a film I love. I love every single performance in this. This is my favorite on ensemble of all time by far. Uh, I, I think every single actor of the main 12 is just killing it. Uh, I, I, I say this. I've said this before. Every time I watch this, I pick an actor and I watch that actor and I see that what that actor does why exactly that character votes at that time what is significant about that switch and i i just i think that's the most entertaining way to watch this movie but i there's no there's a, so many entertaining ways to watch this movie because i love this movie this is like this is the gateway classic i find like for people who say they hate classic movies i tell them to watch this and they say ah it's a movie set in one room it's black and white like no this sounds awful i say watch it and they watch it and they're hooked and they're like give me more uh this is lee j cobb he, the final monologue is one of my favorite scenes not even favorite scenes favorite things in an artistic visual medium of all time i love that that scene I love Lee Jacobs' performance. It's phenomenal. Uh, Scott? 
Of course, it's 12 Angry Men. Um, as someone in the legal field, it obviously has a lot of resonance for me. Um, I saw it from a very young age. And yeah, I totally agree. It's a, it's one of those um, most accessible classic movies for sure. People are always surprised at how much they enjoy it. Just recently, like one of my mock trial students who's a college student watched it and was like, wow, this was like so good. I wasn't expecting it at all. I'm like, yeah, like that's just the effect of it. Um, but I also saw a funny tweet today about this movie where somebody said that they should remake this with film Twitter people talking about whether licorice pizza is problematic or not, <laughs> which would have been hilarious. I also saw that tweet. Jack? Yeah, <laughs> yeah this movie's perfect. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's in my top uh, 15 of all time. It's fantastic. I There's not a bad performance in the film, although my favorite's easily Lee J. Cobb. Henry Fonda's fantastic. Uh, it, it, it's incredible. There's so much that's already been said about this film. There's nothing else to say. Uh, Scully? This film's amazing. Perfect. All great performances. Lots of great moments, great monologues. There's really nothing else you can say about it. Joseph? In my top 10 favorite films of all time, 1957 is one of my favorite movie years of all time. Uh, there needs to be an alternate Oscars YLS episode so that we can talk about classic era replacement type films like they did, like you guys did with the 2000s and 2010s. Because this definitely can fill in a few categories. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just one more thing on Twelve Angry Men, and then I'll hand the reins over to Scott uh, for his next pick. But does I, Joseph? I want to. Do you also get like weirdly excited when you see like any of the other actors in this? Like specifically any of the smaller actors in this movie? And another thing of like, ah, yay! It's it's. John Fiedler, it's it's Robert Weber. Like I just get so excited whenever any of them show up. Yeah, a, a, a little bit. I've I've seen. I wasn't expecting to see John Fiedler in uh, the Odd Couple or Robert Weber in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, it's happened a few times. Yeah. Yeah, I get I get I get inexplicably and irrationally hyped when anybody from Twelve Angry Men shows up in a thing. Uh, Scott, your first pick. My second pick, but um, second pick. You yeah. know what I mean? Words. Yeah, I, I do. Um, we're going to take a step down in objective quality, probably from Twelve Angry Men. Now, most movies would be a step down in objective quality, probably, but uh, oh, this is probably quite, quite a step down. Um, but a movie that I maybe inexplicably love, but uh, is just a fun summer B movie from a few years back, is uh, The Shallows. Um, I think this movie is a ton of fun. Again, it was it's it was a great summer, like kind of turn off your brain movie. But also, I think it's a little bit smarter than people give it credit for. Um, this is the movie where Blake Lively gets stranded, like a few hundred, couple hundred feet from the shore, um, with a shark circling her. Again, I think a lot of people got hung up on the premise, like, oh, this is so dumb. Like she's so close to the shore, blah blah blah, whatever. But um, kind of like I was talking about with Panic Room, I feel like the the uh, movie like introduces some, you know, it, it ups the ante and introduces some new complications or whatever that make the premise not as far-fetched as you might think. I think Blake Lively's giving a great performance. It's always difficult to pull off, um, you know, a movie where you're basically the only person on screen for the entire time. And um, she does like the physical stuff really well. 
um, but also, you know, keeping us captivated by her character, like gives us an engaging character, despite like, again, being the only person on screen, not being a lot of dialogue. Um, she does talk to a bird, um, which, you know, gives us some character moments there, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a really fun, uh, you know, B movie. Like I said, I was kind of between, I was debating between this and crawl, which are, uh, similar movies and also like set in one location movies. I think they're both like a ton of fun. Um, I just remember going to see this kind of on a whim and uh, turned out to really enjoy it. I've rewatched it a couple of times since then. It's it's definitely a fun one to like throw on and rewatch it, yeah. uh, watch with friends or see it on cable. Um, it's solid. Yeah, I haven't seen The Shallows. Uh, Joseph, have you seen The Shallows? I have not. Scully? <sighs> Take a while, I guess. Fair enough. Jack? Nope. Oh, hey, Jack, take us home. All right. Well, I was debating between two, and I'm going to talk about the one I've talked about a couple times already because I'm going to be talking about the other one soon enough. Uh, and I'm going to pick Reservoir Dogs. This movie's fantastic. Uh, like, the beginning of it takes place at the diner and then a car. Uh, and then we're there for basically the rest of the film and it's, uh, we're in the warehouse for the rest of the film and it's fantastic. Mr. Orange, uh, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, every single character in this is incredible. Uh, I, I really like, uh, I think his name's Chris Penn, I believe as nice guy, Eddie. I think he's really fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, this, uh, for, for Tarantino to make his debut with this film is just uh impressive like really impressive and how like the hearing about how it was made and how difficult it was and uh it's just so much fun and then you've got uh one of the greatest opening scenes ever in this film uh but no that uh the whole uh oh but steve buscemi, steve buscemi as uh as mr pink favorite performance in the film I love uh, I love this movie to no end. It's just barely out of my top ten. I think it's my eleven or twelve of all time. It's incredible. I love this film. Fair enough. Uh, I yeah, I think Reservoir Dogs, fantastic movie. Uh, it's my second favorite Tarantino. We were talking about second favorite Tarantino. That's my second favorite Tarantino. Uh, I I really dig Reservoir Dogs. I love all these characters. I think these characters are just so fun and so interesting. And Tarantino is so purposeful of when they do certain things. They really he really builds up like who these people are. And yeah, love these performances. Love the soundtrack. Love so many of the moments. Uh, I I really love K Billy's Sound of the Seventies. Like that's just a fun little mood setter and uh steven wright just has the perfect not caring radio dj voice uh joseph i like this movie um it's been going down for me on my tarantino rankings the more movies i the more i don't want to say that it gets worse because it's still a really really good debut I just like the polish of his future movies more. I feel like to, I, I like seeing Tarantino as a fully fledged filmmaker with uh, 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Inglorious Bastards, and Django Unchained. And even Pulp Fiction, I feel like, is a substantial growth from him over the course of just one movie. So it's not, it's not, um, it doesn't quite rank as high anymore for me on my Tarantino ranking list, but it's still good. Sounds fair. Uh, Scully? Yeah, I love this movie. I think this is, I think this is my, my third or fourth Tarantino. One of those two. It, it 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 interchanges with with Hollywood, honestly. But yeah, I love everything about what about this movie. I think "Stuck in the Middle with You" is a song that I will play like at least once a week just to get myself in a mood. Just because I think that's such a good usage of that song. It's just so goofy, but also so so so, so like dark and sinister as well. And it just has so many different meanings, like in and out of the context of that scene. Um, I love all the performances. Um, Steve Buscemi, of course, is great. Harvey Keitel is great. Chris Penn is great. Michael uh, Madsen is great. I mean, like, there's so many. Uh, and, and Tim Roth too. You know, you don't you only think of Tim Roth as a good guy nowadays, but in this film, he really he really kind of sells that. He 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 kind of sells his role really well. Him being a good guy, but also kind of being like nonchalant, not caring all that much. Um, but yeah, I think everyone gives great performances. One of my favorite Tarantinos. Um, I was between this and Alien for my second pick, so I'm glad that somebody else picked it. That is fair. Uh, so that no, Scott, you haven't talked about Reservoir Dogs yet. Go ahead, Scott. No, um, I mean I don't think I'll ever dislike a Tarantino movie. However, this is my second least favorite, actually. Um, I think it's really, you know, well-made, entertaining, all that jazz. But I don't know. It doesn't quite have the, that joy like I was talking about with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me. And, like, the characters are memorable, but I don't think there's anyone quite as, like, lovable for me as, like, you know, Rick Dalton, who we talked about, or, like, Max Cherry and Jackie Brown from Jackie Brown or Shoshana from Inglorious Bastards. It just doesn't, nobody really quite reaches that level for me. So, but it's, you know, obviously a great movie. Fair. Uh, so that concludes our main course of the show. Uh, our movies again were Rear Window, Ex Machina, Dog Day Afternoon, Panic Room, Mass, Alien. Das Boot, 12 Angry Men, The Shadow, The Shallows, and Reservoir Dogs. Uh, but we have one last thing before we go. Train to Busan is our movie of the month. So if you plan on being a panelist, we had a lot of comments, which are great. Uh, but if you plan on being a panelist, be sure to watch Train to Busan. Uh, Joseph, I'll let you take it away. Uh Horror is a genre that I respect more than love, but this movie hit the right notes for me in all the ways that I did not, in many ways that I did not expect. Uh, zombies on a train. That's the basic premise of it. But there are so, so many more details that made me care about it way more than I expected. First of all, they, the characters are developed way more than in other horror movies where they're just uh monster fodder or killer fodder they the filmmakers do a really really good job and the actors too act really well in helping you to care about them so that you're actually affected by how by trying to root for them and they by rooting for them to survive the this this outbreak 
it's very fun at the first half, but it gets surprisingly emotionally draining at the second half because it gets really, really intense and really, really sad at times. There's this one moment, one moment that kills me every time I see it. It's uh, not to spoil anything, of course, but it's it might be a little bit more special to me because I'm a Lilo and Stitch fan. Um, the ending is one of the most emotionally cathartic endings that I've seen in any movie, zombie film or not. I never would have expected to say that about a zombie movie. It's so much fun. It's so much anxiety at the same time, but it's a great movie, I think. it's. I rewatched it um, in February, and it's gone up for me on rewatch. I was able to rewatch it, and it shot into my top 50 favorite films of all time for that. That is fair. Uh, I This is a movie I appreciate more than I like. Uh, kind of what you said about horror. This is just... I like all the character development this movie's going for. I definitely respect it. I just think... I'm just... I, I just think I'm not a zombie guy, and I think that just hurt me so much. I really am just... I'm, I'm not a fan of the zombie genre. I found... I, I just found it tough to get into this one. I, I just wasn't big on it. I but I respect it. I think it's a really well made film. It just didn't work for me, and that always kind of sucks. Just did you say what rating you would give it? I'm sorry. Oh no, uh, four and a half out of five. Four and a half out of five. I go three and a half out of five. So not not that much lower. Uh, but I want to thank all of our panelists uh, for being on. Everyone who watched for watching. Uh, be weird if you weren't watching, but you were everyone who watched. Uh, thank you to everyone for being here. And next week, I should mention, uh, next week uh, is uh, movies about magic or magic movies. That can include, like, quote-unquote, real magic movies, your Harry Potters, or your fake magic. Like, your now you see me's or prestiges or what have you. Now, that's arguably... That, that's a whole other can of worms. Wait, this fake magic? What? Uh, I'm gonna, anyway, anyway, we'll we'll uh, see you later. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Have a good one. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening.